but you know the older generation has a word called cool. And uh, here in the last 15 years, years or so, the younger generations have seemed to pick this word up again, where you hear it a lot. And you know, I look at these boxes here and I think, oh man, that's really cool, really, really neat. And this morning, <clears throat> as we were rushing around our household, waiting at the last minute to put our boxes together, we had a few more things than what we could get stuffed in the boxes. And so Jamie was, you know, women need a little bit more time to get ready than men, and, and men are pretty quick about getting ready. So I was trying to help out and, and uh, put everything in the boxes this morning. And anyhow, I got it plumb full. It was packed to the brim. I, I could hardly get the hardly get the lid on this morning. And so I walked over by the stairs and I yelled up. I said, Jamie, I got everything in there except for the for the football. And she says, You've got to have the football. It's the most important thing. What 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 is a guy to do? Well anyhow, she comes down and she gets the football in there somehow. And it closes. And I guess it just goes to see how women can really put stuff away. That It's just amazing to me. So, uh, But it, it, it's a fun time. And, and uh, I know we've done this for, uh, what, four or five years now? Shoe, Christmas shoe boxes. So uh, it's, it's a fun time. Is everybody glad the election is over? I am so thrilled that finally it's over. I know that last week I got so tired of hearing these commercials on the radio. If you'd watch TV, you'd see these commercials on TV that you knew they weren't true, but they kept playing them over and over and over. And so I just had, I had to have some relief. And so the Lord evidently sent KUDL, which is a radio station, FM radio station in Kansas City, 98.1 on your radio dial. They play 24-hour Christmas music. And it was such a relief this last week that I was able to listen to the old standards, you know, uh, Bing Crosby, White Christmas, and, and one of my favorites, uh, Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. But... <laughs> Probably my all-time favorite is uh, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. I, I know everybody else in my house hates that, but I've always kind of got a chuckle out of that. But anyhow, how many here, and I'd like a show of hands, have had children, had kids involved in either boy or girl scouting? How many here have? A few of, quite a few of you have. So... Uh, Adam was uh, involved in scouting, and we moved up here, oh, about mid-94, and soon after that, Adam got involved in, in boy scouting, and uh, he attained the rank of eagle, and as you know, uh, going that far, it takes a lot of work, a lot of merit badges, uh, your eagle project, uh, you have to get uh, others involved in the troop for a community-type project uh, that's beneficial for the community. And uh, there's a lot of teamwork involved, a lot of planning. And uh, so I was, I was really proud of him and the work it, that, he, that he did for that. 
But you know, if you have anybody in scouting now, and as in the past, uh, either boy or girl scouting, is fundraising projects. Now, uh, there's all kinds of projects. There's chili feeds. There's pancake feeds. Uh, selling popcorn. Uh, candy bars. And in Troop 29, one of our favorite projects was selling Christmas greenery. And, of course, we would uh, go throughout the neighborhood and uh, sell, you know, wreaths and different type of greenery uh, for the holidays. And uh, we really had good success with that. But I remember the first fundraiser we ever had. And it was soon after Adam joined the Scouts. And Troop 29 had a uh, history of uh, having a cake auction. Well, I thought that was a good deal, and, and I didn't know much about it, but uh, Jamie baked a couple of cakes, and so we took him to the uh, cake auction one night, and uh, what I found out is people like to bid your cake up, and man, our cakes were just bid after bid going higher and, and higher, and uh, what I found out was, after the fact was, you had to buy your own cake back. Now, not knowing that, you know, it came to a quite shock, and, and living on one income, uh, you know, I wasn't quite prepared for, uh, for this expensive cake, but these cakes cost, I think, around $100 that night, and uh, it was quite an experience, and uh, we did that for, I think, we had cake auctions a couple years, and so the next time uh, we went, uh, I went prepared the next time. You know, there's an old saying that a dollar is not a lot of money unless you don't have one. And uh, so that was quite a shock when we first went through that. But, you know, uh, going back to fundraising, uh, we usually buy popcorn and candy from uh, kids we know and even from some that we don't. And as you know, this time of year, there's a lot of activities going around for boy and girl scouting, selling popcorn and other things. But... You know, school districts are even involved in fundraising projects, believe it or not. Uh, they go door to door uh, selling candy or maybe uh, some kind of a, a card that you can take to different businesses and uh, get discounts for pizza or, or different things of that nature. Uh, and like I said, we usually uh, buy, uh, buy these things from people we know and, and from others, but uh, it got to the point where there was a saturation and one afternoon, got a knock on the door, and there's these two girls. I look out, and I thought, oh, they're selling popcorn or, you know, something else. Well, I uh, went to the door, and uh, I said, uh, what do you have? Well, I found out uh, they weren't selling anything, but they were trying to give me something. And it turned out that these girls were Jehovah Witnesses. Well, you know, I already had my words prepared of what I was going to say. You know, I didn't want any more popcorn or, or anything like that. And uh, what they had was, what they said, were pamphlets about the truth. Well, you know, I told them that I was Christian and, and uh, was not really uh, interested in, in their information. And uh, so I just, you know, shut the door and, and they went on. But it got me to thinking about, you know, what I could have said 
But maybe more importantly, uh, you know, you have to be discerning in these situations. Uh, if I would have defended my faith at the door, you know, maybe that wouldn't have been the best situation. You know, these are situations that you have to make determinations on defending your faith and when you're going to talk to people. But it got me to thinking about when opportunity knocks. And like I said, maybe not so much in this circumstance, but there's times in our lives that we have those opportunities to talk to people. Now, I know people don't, you know, come to your door and uh, ask you about God or ask you about Christ, but what, what happens is you have those opportunities in the uh, workplace. You have those opportunities uh, at different family gatherings. And uh, so when should you take advantage of those opportunities? You know, they say that you should never discuss politics and religion at the dinner table, and especially during the holidays. You know, some people think that is a real taboo. And in certain situations, it, it certainly uh, can be when, when you have members of the family who are, who are not wanting to, uh, to listen to what you have to say. But here recently, uh, I've been uh, looking at a guide for Christian workers which was in my Bible. And uh, in there they have oh, page after page of uh, reasons why people don't come to Christ, why they don't believe in God. And so what I did, I, I printed these out, and, and you know there's going to be probably hundreds more than what I'm going to cite here today. But what I wanted to do is just read some of these reasons. first one is, I'm not a sinner. I'm not a sinner. The second one is, I'm too big a sinner. I'm too big a sinner. Here are some others. I have no encouragement at home. A professing Christian wronged me. I'll take my chances. My friends mean too much to me. Here's one that I like that you've probably heard before. I'm going to have a good time in this world and let the next world take care of itself. You know, how often have you heard people say that? Frankly, I am skeptical about the whole matter. Intelligent people know that what we see is all there is. Here's a few more. My sins are small, so why worry? I intend to before I die. Why does God allow evil in this world? That's a question that we all ask from time to time. A uh, couple more is, why should I accept the Bible as the final authority? And how can I know there is a God? How can I know there is a God? Well, there's three uh, sources of material that uh, I looked at and that are readily available to all, and uh, that is the Bible. In Romans 1, verse 19, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. Now, there's nature, the world around us, the person next door to you, seated next to you, 
And then lastly, there is man. There is yourself. Now, all of these three things point to a creator. And none are possible by happenstance. None are possible by accident. <clears throat> now, in Psalm 8, verse 3, and I'm talking about nature here, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained. Now, there's a myriad of scripture in the Bible about the earth and how it was created. And like I said, there is man. And in Psalm 33, verse 6, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of His mouth all their host. Now, what all this is saying is that no one, not even one person in the world, say they've never heard of the Bible or heard of Christ. They have no excuse for not honoring God because the whole world, the whole created world reveals Him. Now, recently, Jamie attended a uh, Christian education conference in Kansas City. And uh, she was fortunate to hear a professor by the name of J.P. Moreland. Many of you probably know or have heard of Mr. Moreland. Uh, very well known in the intelligent design community. I know he spoke in Kansas City about five years ago. I was fortunate to hear him then. But Moreland states that there is evidence in the universe that there is an intelligent designer. The vast people know that when you look at the human body and the unbelievable orchestrations of the human body and the way organelles work inside a cell and the way different parts of the body works and the eye works, that something like this simply could not come about by random chance or necessity. Now, I use the word organelles. What's an organelle? Well, an organelle is a diminutive uh, uh, organ inside of the cell. And it has different functions and different work that it performs in that cell to make it work properly. And uh, just like our organs in our body works, like our kidney, our heart, has certain responsibilities, uh, for our body. So does these organelles in, in the human cell. That's why very few people need an argument for God's existence. You know, even though some are possible, is because you can see the created world around you. Now, scientists have made recent discoveries of uh, a couple of features of the universe, and they provide powerful arguments for God's existence. And what I'm trying to get at here today is, is as you talk to somebody, as you talk to a coworker or a family member who might be receptive, and I'm not talking about one who doesn't want to talk to you. You know, you, you're probably wasting your time, but uh, you know your people where you work. You know who is interested in, in is this all there is? And a family member, help often have we bypassed those opportunities to talk to a family member in that setting. And, and now as the holidays bring us more together, there's always those opportunities. So uh, I'm just stressing, 
if at all possible, take advantage of those opportunities. But like I said, scientists have made a couple of discoveries uh, about the universe, and they provide powerful uh, uh, reason why God does exist. And one of those things is the fundamental constants of nature. And when I talk about the fundamental constants of nature, things like gravitational constants, the mass of a protein, the charge of an electron. Now, some of you who have just gone through college and have all this knowledge probably know that the charge of an electron has a specific value. And scientists have discovered that if there was a change of this value in just one hundredth of a, of a percent or one millionth of a percent, that human life could not exist on, on Earth. And also, when you talk about DNA molecules, and you, uh, you, you think about DNA as the ladder of life, uh, DNA, a DNA molecule, this is what scientists liken a DNA molecule to human language. There's information in a DNA molecule that gets transcribed and, and, and uh, translated, and there is a genetic code. And the structure of a DNA molecule is precisely like the structure of any linguistic system like English or Spanish. Why can't we see God? Well, as we know, everything we see has a physical boundary. This building has a physical boundary. The person next to you has a physical boundary. Everything you see out here on the earth has a physical boundary. But as I was listening uh, to Mr. J.P. Moreland, and, and I found it quite interesting uh, listening to his uh, tapes, he was having a conversation with his daughter, and his daughter had the question, Dad, why can't I see God? Well, he responded in this way. He said, Hun, you can't see your mother. You can't see me. All you see is our physical body. You can't see a person's conscious state. You can't see their sensory experiences. Now, you might outwardly be able to see how they react to something, but you can't see those conscious states. Now, a vast majority of the scientists know that theoretical entities that we know exist in principle are unobservable. And things like I'm talking about is magnetic fields. Who's ever seen a magnetic field? And the same way with gravitation. We know it exists, but we, we can't see it. So the invisibility of God is, is not a good argument against His existence. Now, a couple of other excuses that people sometimes use are, I will take my chances, or my friends mean too much to me. Now, I think a lot of people fall into the first category. They want to take a chance, They want to leave, uh, live for the immediate future and, and enjoy the uh, immediate pleasures of the secular world. Or they, they think sometime down the road, I'll, I'll get around to it. The problem with that kind of thinking is God has the last word. 
He has the last say. Now, opening up the Bible and turning to uh, Daniel 4, verse 35. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the host of heaven. And among the inhabitants of earth, and no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? Now in John 5, verses 27 through 29, And he gave him authority to execute judgment, because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice, and will come forth, those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life, those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of life. Of judgment. You know, in other words, a judgment will be rendered on each life lived. And the excuse that my friends mean so much to me, you need to answer this question Are they your friends or are they your enemies? Turning to James 4, verse 4. Scripture reads, You adulteresses, do you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And what, what that means is spiritual adulteresses is being spiritually unfaithful. You know, do your friends care for your soul? You know, take a quick test. You know, on, on one hand, are your friends who don't care for your soul, and on the other hand, is eternal life. Which is more important? In Matthew 19, verse 29, And everyone who has left houses, or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or children, or farms for my namesake, will receive many times as much, and will inherit eternal life. You, you know, talking to uh, co-workers, and you always have to be careful, especially, I know I worked for the state a number of years. Others here uh, work for the state also. That's a setting you have to be very careful in when you talk to people. So it's one that you uh, should know that individual and uh, uh, be very discerning. But uh, usually when you spend time with your co-workers, you know them well enough that you know, you know quite a bit about their lives. And so, uh, like, what I'm trying to get across today is, is taking that time, taking that opportunity, and knowing where, where they stop. Where do they draw the line? Why are the reason they don't believe in Christ? You know, the more you know about that person, the more you're, you're able to talk to them. And, you know, one of the hardest things it is to do is to talk to a family member. How many here have family members that Christ is not in their life. I'm sure we all have them. And it's a problem. And it's a problem over time that just seems to get worse and worse. And I know uh, my mother passed away a couple years ago. And I believe she, she believed in God. 
But, you know, during her last weeks, before she went into the hospice, I made a trip up home. Uh, Dad needed some relief and because uh, he was there 24 hours a day. and So I'd go up there once in a while, and, and it was to a point where, for some reason, my parents didn't want to discuss this matter. It, it, it was something they just didn't want to discuss for some reason. And so Dad was gone. So here was an opportunity. And I could tell my mom's mind was going. You know, it wasn't going to be much longer that she'd be able, able to understand uh, what I had to say. And so the time I spent with her, that short period of time, I was able to talk to her, and we were able to clear some things, and it felt me, it made me feel so much better that, you know, I, I know that she believed in Christ. And it wasn't long after that that the opportunity, any opportunity to have waited was gone because her mind went so quickly. And so... I, I know in our lives there are those loved ones, maybe it's a husband, maybe it's a wife, a brother, a daughter, a son. It could be, could be anyone. But to give that some thought about taking advantage of, of those opportunities, and I know some people aren't open. And so sometimes, you know, there is not that, there is no opportunity for that. <clears throat> now, we just talked about a few excuses today why people don't, don't come to Christ, don't believe in God. But as you know, there are hundreds of reasons that people use, hundreds of excuses that people use because they have too much going on in their lives. But I just wanted to express my thoughts today about this time that we're coming together, uh, as families come together, uh, making the best of an opportunity when it does exist. And like I said, you have to be very, very careful. Uh, certainly don't want something to, you bring something up and, and ruin a family gathering because, you know, they weren't, they weren't responsive or they didn't want to hear it from the first place. But sometimes people have their hearts open and please take advantage of those opportunities. So let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, we all have those in our, in our life, our loved ones, that, Lord, we know that uh, for some reason uh, have not come to you. And, uh, Father, we know how much distress and heartache that can cause for, for a family. And, Father, I pray for uh, those who will be given, the, given that opportunity uh, here uh, maybe later today or, or sometime this next week or, or Lord, you uh, who knows when the opportunity will will be presented? That, but that we be prepared, Lord, to uh, be able to uh, uh, show the truth and, and uh, in a loving way, Father, so that those people will come come to know you and and come to Christ. Father, uh, I thank you for uh, all the blessings that you give us and and this wonderful time that we have an opportunity to share today after service and. And uh, I just thank you so much. And most of all, thank you for sending your son who died for our sins. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.